0: Listener exclusive.
1: Little 40 loving dickheads, dreaming about a premiership cup. We love our clubs, but they never win. Two flags in 100 years. shit, how stiff you think we'll be insightful, clever, or just well researched. We're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are Two Guys, One
0: Cup. Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Cup. I'm Charlie Clawson and this is our summer series called My Club where I sit down with notable Australians and chat about the clubs they love and sometimes hate. And my guest this week, well, he's carved out quite a niche for himself as Australia's premier comedy and sports content creator with over 50,000 followers on Instagram, 230,000 followers on TikTok. If you've seen any funny sports-related videos online lately, chances are Josh Garlop has created them. Welcome to the show.
1: Wow, it's... Um- Notable. I I can't believe Notable's been dropped in my name now, but thank you very much. Yeah, it's
0: (laughs) Well, everyone seems to balk at that. Like when I say famous Australians, (laughs) well-known Australians, every guest I have is so humble that I was like, no, 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 that's not me. But I mean, seriously, your videos are everywhere at the moment. As uh, low-level sports comedy, uh, a sports comedy show, (laughs) you know, we aspire to the level of coverage that you get. What drove you into this particular field? Like, you know, you started off as a journalist, but then obviously you went into comedy and then specifically around sport. How did you get into it?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I think that's what everyone asks too, because I think I used to be with Fox Sports News. So originally I was an engineer that I um, did that for a bit and I sort of just sort of did it for that. And then eventually went to broadcasting school and did a year of that. And then I, I played basketball. So I liked sport and growing up in Perth, liked footy like AFL, but didn't love it. And then I went to this broadcasting school, it was fantastic, like learn how to make things. And I thought this is the best. I didn't realize this was an option for a career. And the day after I finished, I started at Fox Sports News in Sydney in like a real shit kicker role. And then we got made redundant two months later. And so they asked me, uh, do you want to move to Perth? I, I, I don't know if you know anything about it. I was like, well, I've just moved to Sydney from Perth. So I, I moved to Perth as a video journalist and I was so bad on this network called Fox Sports News, which still exists in a shell of what it was budget wise. When I moved back, it was, I was a video journalist. So I had to learn how to like write, present, film, and edit everything I did every day. And for the first six months, I reckon I was so, for the first year and a half, I was really, really bad. Like every single shot was out of focus. Everything's like, I didn't know much about football, like footy either. Like I didn't understand the significance cause it's very serious. And I think then um, the day-to-day grind I always liked comedy and I would always make like parody little scripts. So when Origin came to town one year, I found it funny because no one in Perth knew about NRL. And I remember like I had two hours to kill. So I was on this hill in the middle of the heat and I just like made a fake piece to camera script that I did the exact same, but what I actually wanted to do. And it was like "Mm, red team comes to town and they're pretty angry at blue team because Everyone in Perth got around it, but you're either like an expat or whatever. Um, and then I showed a couple of people and they are like, please delete that right now. So uh, um, it's pretty cool though. Like I eventually went to the West Australian after being made redundant again and um, for COVID. I was really lucky to go there and I was always just making these videos. Then I kind of like wasn't scared anymore of making them, putting them out. and Because I was like, well, you can't find me three times. And then I think you would know that too, Charlie, you too. Mike Who's um you're so scared of putting things out there that people might think you're a weirdo and then all of a sudden they don't and you're like oh okay i well, will just keep doing it
0: well the amazing thing too is the access you seem to get to like sporting organizations and stuff and how willing like not only the the athletes are but like people you know obviously who who control the marketing and the image of those like organizations are willing to let you come in and make these videos like it's so Great. Like, and I think it's it's something that is sort of like missing or there's a gap in Australia is a sport-mad nation. We understand that. But I think there should be more content like this. And obviously, like, you know, the, the organisations and the players are up for it, but you seem to have like nailed the formula.
1: Oh, thank <laughs> you. Um, I was speaking to like a mutual friend, I think of ours, Broden Kelly, and he was saying something similar. I've never thought of it like that. I always thought it has been pretty stale, the Australian landscape in that regard, compared to like the UK or the USA like you speak to these players and a lot of them are pretty smart. Like the first one we did was with Tom Barass, um, from the West Coast Eagles. And like, he, I knew he was a smart guy and a funny guy because we have a couple of mutual friends and he was just like, so, so funny. Mm. And, um, and, you know, I come with a script and we shoot with four cameras so you can cover like cuts. And I, when I say four cameras, often iPhones. <laughs> But it's never it's never the player that's scared. It's the it's always the marketing team or the head of PR or the the brand sponsor because they're yeah. these big convoluted pay structures. And the only reason we got in with the first couple is because we had a sponsor. Like the sponsor hired us and they had a requirement to do it with us. So we actually did two videos with West Coast. Yeah. And the final check was Adam Simpson allegedly watching it on his laptop, just like opening it, being like, "This, like, yeah." And then the next one being like. No, nah, fuck it. So we had, we did two. We did one with Oscar Allen and one with um Tom Brass. Only because I had loose connections with the two, and um the Oscar Allen one never made it to air. <laughs> so
0: well, we wanted, to, we've got you on because we want to talk about the Eagles. Now, um you know, Mike was the one who sort of said, hey, look, I've got a a, a line on Josh. I think we could get him on the show, but he's happy to talk about either Freo or West Coast, and, I, and I, I'm getting an understanding of why that is now because, you know, you're not really a dyed-in-the-wool, you know, uh, footy supporter, but you grew up in the West and obviously they're the two big teams. But explain to me, like, because you're the probably the third guest we've had on this series who has had sort of either an interest or allegiance in more than one club, and how does that work for you?
1: We, I get asked this all the time. Like, even, We made a bunch of content with Fremantle last year or with AFL about Fremantle. And when Fremantle lost to Carlton, this guy came up to me and I was at this pub in Freer. Because I love watching the games in Freer because I don't know if you've been there much, but it's just so fun to watch the games. And um, this guy came up to the game, he's blind drunk. He's like, suck shit, mate. <laughs> I was like, I don't really care. Like, it's fine. But no, I, I just love seeing the WA teams do well. I think as a, when you were a reporter, that's all you wanted. But you had to deal with them all the time. And there was pressure on you to like, get the word. I'm like, I don't know anyone. I have no connections here. And also, yeah. <laughs> why would I throw a mate under the bus potentially to get like the smallest amount of credit from like a Rupert Murdoch boss or Kerry Stokes boss? You know what I mean? Like it's the payoff just wasn't ever there for me. So now I reckon the lasting legacy is that I just like to see them both do well. Like I really like some of the West Coast players. I love what Frio are doing right now, especially after Ross Lyon. And both clubs now are really easy to deal with. Like I get along really well with their mm. media teams as well. They're really fun. So, yeah, I, I have no legions, but I just like to see them do well because I don't, I don't know if you know that this is a bit of a Vic bias, Charlie. The bloody Vic bias. The bloody VFL. Oh, well, <laughs> I've comment. heard about it. Mate, there's so much Comedy gold Golden um, Facebook comment sections for um, AFL posts. And there's so many WA people like, more like the VFL. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. But, oh, look, Mate, even with our show, like the amount of um, listeners from WA, Frio and West Coast supporters who are always badgering us with, that we're not talking enough about the Western Australian teams. And so we made a point one year, I think with Frio about two years ago, where we'd only mention Nat 5. That was the only player from Freya that existed. And we would always make a point of saying, we don't know anything else about your clubs, just, just Nat 5. But that, you know, I've got two sisters who live in WA. One of them's lived there for like almost 30 years now, is married to Western, uh, Western Australian. So I understand that, that, that lens, which makes last year for West Coast for me so interesting because in my entire time, I've been alive as, you know, I've seen West Coast come into the competition and I cannot remember... A season where they've been so bad, like comically bad, not necessarily all their own fault. Like, obviously, there was the COVID stuff going on, but it was like everything that could go wrong did go wrong for them. And it was so unusual and such uncharted territory, especially from being an outsider to see West Coast like fumbling about. Did, is that how it felt over there?
1: I think, it, it, yeah, and it was really interesting to see how the club dealt with it. <laughs> like a lot of, like Trevor Nisbet, he's the CEO, he's been there through the Cousins era. Like he's been there for so long. Even Gary Stocks, their head of media management, he's been there for so long. You know, it's been a pretty easy pretty, pretty easy sell <laughs> yeah. for a long time. It's like they could do so. Even even small things like their jumper, they signed with Castore, a huge European company that has never done AFL and they could never get the Guernseys. So like Campbell Chester, when he was drafted, he had a 4XL one, it's hanging off and it became a meme. I know that, that's like a stupid thing, but like no one really, like other than the West, not really cared, other than a couple of players that didn't have the right number for like 90% of the games last year. It was really weird. And I think like, um, I remember, cause I, was, I did sideline for a bit, a couple of the games. And I remember going to the Sydney West Coast game early and they just got absolutely pumped. Like it was like 80 points or something. Mm-hmm. And then, and then it was two weeks or maybe a week later or two weeks and then they played Richmond. And they, they were only like, I think the odds were they were only, you know, 20 points less a chance to lose. And, you know, there were so many guys missing. There were so many senior players not playing that year like that were on the list or injured and then COVID. And I'm like, some of hmm. these guys played for West Perth and they lost by 100 points. And it was just like completely, yeah. it was so ridiculous.
0: <laughs> It was a bad year for West Coast. It was a great year for the waffle. I mean, a bunch (laughs) of waffle players got to play at the highest level. My brother-in-law, because I was over in Perth like June last year, and, um, you know, he's a mad Eagle supporter. He's been a member the entire time they've been in the competition. But he was saying that, oh, it's been a weird year because they're so bad. He hasn't been going to as many home games and he likes fishing. Like he's Western Australian, so he likes fishing and surfing. And so he's been going up to his place in Denmark a bit more. And then the more people I spoke to in WA, the more I realised, oh, there's all these Western Australians who are rediscovering winter in Western Australia, because normally it's all about on the weekend, we're going to go watch the Eagles. But it's like, ah, I don't care about the Eagles this year. We're going to write this year off. Wow, we live in one of the best states in Australia. There's so much to do. Yeah,
1: I find it nuts how many people travel to the games. And saying that, like, they were losing these games. Still 20,000 people minimum were coming to the games. Like, I think that Richmond game had like 26,000 or something like that, and- And Freo's, you know, attendance was climbing through that as well. So there were a lot of weeks where the the Eagles had probably the same amount of crowd despite by losing 100 points. People were still (laughs) attending to it. But um, I think, like, you know, that's their one year. This year there'll be a bit more pressure to see if change happens. And, like, it would be a double-edged sword because on the one hand if they win, like, eight games, people were like, yeah, we're back. We're we're on the rise. But if it's another bad year, it'll be interesting to see how the fans react and things like that because, obviously, their membership's so strong. Their sponsorships are so strong. They're the richest club. We found out that in COVID. Like, I think there's a bit of, um, a little bit of pressure this year, but it is funny to see the reaction as well.
0: Well, it was weird too. Like, uh, I was thinking about sliding doors and, you know, you think about the 2018 grand final, you know, and Collingwood lead that grand final for like 98% of the game, then really lose it in the last few minutes. And then three years later, Nathan Buckley is out the door because of Collingwood underperforming. And I just wonder if that premiership has kind of, I don't know, like insulated Adam Simpson from like a harsher – kind of review after 2022 like how much grace or how much uh love does a a flag buy you does it is it a five-year thing is it a 10-year thing I don't know does it depend (laughs) on the club like I think you know Bevo at the Bulldogs they're never going to sack him because they only they hadn't won a flag in like over 60 years or something before he came along so he's 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 got credits up the wazoo I'm
1: sure Bevo is now like ScoMo like he's the shadow department leader for like yeah. seven departments now. But he doesn't <laughs> do anything. Like, yeah. He just goes in there, yells once and then there are just like works harder.
0: The department of the thick necks. That's what I believe. Yeah,
1: <laughs> the <laughs> thickest neck in history. <laughs> but it's so intimidatingly thick. Yeah. And just like when he's rolling handlebars for a year, I think the club and the players, he still has the buy-in. And I, yeah, as you said, a premiership, maybe if they lose that premiership, maybe it's not there. Then he's seen as like a guy that can't take them all the way because they got pumped in that other premiership, um, that grand final. I think it was like 2016 or 15. So I think, yeah, he's got maybe one or two more years. There was there was rumblings last year, you know, then all of a sudden there's the opinion piece being like, is he the right man to do the job? And like talk back radio in Perth, people calling in, it's like... Simo just can't do it. I, I love Talkback Radio, Charlie, by the way. It's one of my favourite indulgences. Well, it's always
0: where you get the most measured responses and takes on the big issues in football. Exactly.
1: Pragmatic. <laughs> I also like to call in um, and put on characters. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, always. Promote our podcast too. I'll just drop it in midway. When Clarko got – we were in Melbourne when Clarko won um, – or oh, got the job. Um, from North Melbourne and we pretended, we were six of us in a room. We pretended we were at a wedding and we are cancelling the wedding. (laughs) And it was like, (laughs) the audio somewhere because I put it on like Twitter or something and we cancelled the wedding and we're all like, the miss is going to be a bit upset, but I tell you what, it's a good day for the club and it's a bloody good. And then everyone's jumping around. I can't remember, it was the really good journo from SEN. He was on the mic. That night, Dane, he was fully into it, so it was good. But now my number's been blocked, which sucks. Oh, really? They're on to you? Yeah, it's flagged. It's really annoying.
0: Yeah, I know. I've, I, I, are you going to ask? it, Can we get your, your number unblocked? No, we have. We do not have that kind of sway. At two guys, one cup. Believe it or not. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay. So when you are like a. In a a state like WA or South Australia, I mean, I would sort of include Sydney, but I don't think it's nearly the same. They're not really AFL states. And there is that kind of big brother, little brother kind of rivalry. As someone who, you know, you sort of follow both clubs equally, was there any sort of joy in seeing like Frio, you know, be a credible contender this year while West Coast was stumbling? Like was there some kind of enjoyment in that?
1: Oh, I think there was – I think a lot of people got around Frio – like, because they were easy to love, I think that's why everyone loves Collingwood right now too. Like they had, they've had a tough couple of years, and they have all these guys that you know they don't really have any history. They're they're like Caleb Sarong, they're like Andy Brayshaw. they haven't really done. They all they've done is improve. They're young, and it's pretty hard not to be endeared by those guys going through, and they're they're just trying really hard. And then on top of that all, to top it all off, they're winning pretty big games like that game against the Western Bulldogs the comeback in the, I think it was the very first final, the elimination final. That that was the biggest moment in, if you're a Fremantle fan, the last 10
0: years. Well, I think the win, of, the, the win over Melbourne in the middle of the year, yeah, that was the yeah, one was mostly, where yeah. everyone sort of took, where everyone took notice. And then they seem to get the wobbles towards the back end. But you're right, like that final sort of established their credentials. But, you know, Frio are like a St Kilda or a North Melbourne or any of the smaller clubs, even though, you know, their membership's quite big. But no one believes it. Like no one, even I think back to 2010, on 2009 when St Kilda won 16 in a row and all the chatter online was when is this going (laughs) to blow up? And you know what? It it did. They were right. It did blow up. just happened to be the grand final. I'm
1: so interested to watch them, how they go this year with Ross Lyon, like bringing him back and stuff. But anyway, no, I I think I definitely saw a lot of West Coast fans getting on it. I mean, there was the occasional people being like, F-3O, like the the standard comeback is like uh, four premierships, mate. Um, how many you got? And then, which is pretty yeah. standard, but I mean, you, you saw people being like, yeah, we're, we're all for it. Anyone doing well. There's some diehard fans out here, but I think a lot of people jumped on.
0: Well, the, we- the weird, thing about West Coast too is since the 2018 grand final, and we talk, Will and I've talked a lot about how we've come around on West Coast, like through the 2000s, the Ben Cousins kind of era, especially being from Victoria, like West Coast were an easy club to hate. Like they just had that mm. kind of arrogance and they seemed to have a lot of dickheads playing for them and it was really easy. They were the Collingwood of the West. You could sort of frame them that way. And then the Adam Simpson era and, you know, sort of the of it all. It's like, yeah, I genuinely like the players at West Coast and I like watching them play and, you know, how could you not admire the 2018 Grand Final? But then since then, COVID really screwed things up. Like, yeah. I mean... If uh, if you could sort of frame the attitude of an entire group of players, it was like, why are they sulking? Like, why are they dragging their feet and kicking the dirt? Everyone's having to go into like these lockdowns and these hubs and stuff. Why are West Coast kicking up such a fuss?
1: Wait, wait, was that the perception over ace? about? I, I've never heard that. I'm not. I'm, oh, really? dead, I'm dead serious. Like, because I, I, I heard of that from Richmond and stuff. Because I, I was in the bubble of the right. West, where they were like not getting angry about it but were they getting furious about having to travel into There was just a though? sense at the
0: start of the 2021 season or the 2020 season sorry when was it when was it, it was 2020 when they went to the hubs in Queensland that West Coast were complaining about it that you know they felt like they you know had had to travel further they did they put in these listless performances you know they weren't happy with their accommodation they weren't happy with the restrictions being put on them there was a sense of like entitlement that the media, at least Victorian media, I don't know how, if it was, you know, South Australia as well, but they jumped on that Well, like, they're not even trying. Like West Coast, are like they're putting in like a, a ba- basically a passive protest by just not trying through the first kind of few games out of the hub.
1: Well, from WA's perspective, that the first game out of the hub was um, Matt Rowell's emergence. That, that was that round two game and he just, I think he had like, he had over 30 disposals and everyone was like, who is this Ranger kid just tearing yeah. it through like, <laughs> you know, former Norm Smith medalists and stuff like that, and he's just shaking guys off and he's so pale and he's playing for the Gold <laughs> Coast Suns and they I demolished us. Is
0: that really the perspective from the game? The one thing you can take away is he is so pale? <laughs> Where's his shark's tooth necklace? I loved
1: it. I, I was like, and then, and then Making Their Mark came out and he just yeah. he, he was just like the most hilariously in love with footy kid. And he's, like, got note, had the meme come out with him with, like, the note, taking notes because he had an injury. No, that game with um West Coast, they just got demolished. The next three games, they got demolished. And then everyone was, like, far out. These, like, something's, you know, two years ago, we were winning a premiership. Um, I, I, I think everyone, that was sort of the first red flag of what was coming. And then the carryover into 2021 with the COVID stuff. That's why I think, like... This year, they've they put Oscar Allen on ice. They need him to play well, even though he went out of the year before with a heap of injuries. J- Josh Kennedy, him going is just like he's such a like. Firstly, the most lovable bloke ever. Like every interaction you've ever had with him is like he's your best mate. He's from um, Northampton, like all those guys, like the Crips brothers and stuff like that. Smallest town um, has like three girls constantly running around, like you couldn't meet a nicer guy and he's like such a weapon in front of goal and hence against that game against Adelaide where everyone's just like almost crying. I, I haven't seen many receptions of a player like that who wasn't, you know, you know, a Hall of Famer straight away sort of thing. Um, I think like if they get like six or eight wins, people will generally be surprised and be happy a little bit because like, they were just so bad this year. But they, there's a chance they could. They have a couple of good guys coming back. I mean, if Campbell Chess gets up, that Jay Carley guy, I reckon he's, like, pretty good. I can't say his name, first name properly. It's Jai or Jay. But um, the mid-season draft guy, like, it's just whether they have the stocks, though, they've been so thin on drafts for so long. And then after the Tim Kelly trade as well. Um,
0: well, that was what yeah. I was going to ask you next. So the Tim Kelly trade, because so I just went, I'd sort of forgotten what had happened with the Tim Kelly trade. So it was basically three first-round picks you gave up for Tim Kelly. And he was only had only played one season, which is amazing to think that like he played one season in 2018 and then you get him for three first round draft picks. like he's clearly a talented player. but the thinking was obviously we've just won a flag. We've got this ready-made you know Brownlow medalist level midfielder ready to go in. I can understand, like selling the farm for that, that everything with the benefit of hindsight is like, oh, gee, you could really have used three, you know, in going to their fourth year first round players now, couldn't you?
1: Yeah. I think like the weirdest thing is like West Coast have never done that prior. Like they've never really made these giant swings for one player. They haven't done like the Fremantle Luke Jackson thing. Yeah. And they sold so much for him. And the most ironic thing is he was available from the waffle for like four years prior. Like he was just dominating for South Fremantle and just everyone kept overlooking him. And, like, credit to him, like, get paid because it's someone else's decision. And he actually wasn't that bad in periods last year. Like, he's he's still a really good player, but it's just now they've – they don't have – there's such a gap in these guys, really good young guys coming through. Whereas, like, you look at a team like – and just saying in WA, Frio, for that period with the rebuild with Lyon, like, they were just loading up on draft picks every year, and I don't, I never like played serious AFL or, say, serious Aussie rules or anything like that. But one thing I've noticed is like, it's the teams that like take ten swings a year when they're rebuilding, and they're like, okay, three of these guys can play, and like Lockie Schultz or something is getting a game every. Switkowski gets games for them now. Frederick was pretty deep in the draft; they all get games now. They're good players, mm. but they sort of make you deep, and I think the depth is going to hurt West Coast probably if they can't stay healthy, because they have this older list with like the Shoeys and the Yo's and the yeah. um, Jack Darling. I was looking up, Jack Darling's 31 now. In my head, he's perpetually 26. <laughs> so like <laughs> he's 31, he kicked 34 goals last year. Yeah, He was getting booed at the games yeah. because of the preseason stuff. So it was like a bad time. So maybe he bounces back, but- you know, 31, it's tough as well.
0: Well, look at Collingwood last year. I mean, that's the perfect example. Everyone had written them off as being, well, they've got an old list and a bunch of, like, the top end's too old and the young part of the list is is too inexperienced. I mean, it just happens that young part of the list had two daycoses, which, you know, <laughs> I think helps anyone. But West Coast, you know, you're right, they do actually have some really good young talent and they do have that core. Like, if they can get fit, because clearly fitness was a massive issue for most of your senior players last year, especially like Elliot Yo, I mean, if you can get him back to any kind of semblance of his form two years ago, two, three years ago, then, you know, that improves you out of sight.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think they need the, the pressure pushing through too, like, because they're the same names that keep getting thrown up for the last four years. Right. Like, since 2018, like, they're the ones, oh, we need them to step up and they keep having injuries. Like, Yo's had a really tough run, but when he's playing, he's so good. There's, they keep talking about putting him on the back line and stuff like that, but... I just think that they need the pressure for spots and I don't think they've got that right now and like they'll get one-off games where they all click and they play really well. I love preseason predictions. No one's more optimistic than obviously the preseason. and there's these reports like he's looking great on the track, probably from the club. Oh, mate. They're the best. Oh, yeah.
0: oh pre-season's the best time of the year. I love training reports. I'll go to Big Footy. I'll go to Sensational. I can't get enough. Training reports, like I will honestly put so much stock into some random dude's observation of like Mitch Owens has put on massive size. He's he's going to be a gun. Look at he just he's just clunking him. Yeah, he's clunking him in a training drill where there's actually no legitimate opposition. I um,
1: I was at, I was open last week. We went over for uh, Channel Nine. Very very grateful for that. But I, I kept saying footy players there. And I was, like, doing the quasi, like, draft reports, preseason draft reports. <laughs> yeah. And, like, um, yeah, people seem to get around them a little bit. I'm just trying to find one right now. I saw Lloyd Meek. He's just uh, the former backup behind Sean Darcy at Frio, and he's just signed with um, Hawthorne. And um, I wrote, saw Lloyd make at tennis, really good signs. Could be anecdotal, but he looked really strong uh, in the tennis crowd. Had a big smile and said, thanks, Bud, when someone said, good luck at the Hawks, pencil in for AA. That someone was me, Charlie. I was like, hey, Lloyd, good luck this year. And he was like, he's really tall. And he was just like, and I'm tall, but he was taller than me. And he goes, oh, cheers, man. Thanks, Bud. I was like, yeah,
0: sit. What are your favourite um, cliches? I, I like uh, training, the <laughs> <laughs> training the house down.
1: Training the house down. Training the house down is great because the thing about training a house down, there's no measurable because the house is yeah, completely right. subjective. Like someone could be like, well, I do that every year. Um, I don't know what the house is. I, I just love the one where they're like he's clearly gained a couple kgs. Like he's he's looking shredded and he'll be the guy that is just an Adonis. Meanwhile, Jeremy McGovern. <laughs> Looks like it looks like a like a square block, a square white pale block, and he, you know, he will just destroy the, anyone with a six pack anytime anyway. So it's kind of irrelevant.
0: I like uh, burning up the track. So and so was up burning, the track. they did the three k time trial. So and so was burning up the track.
1: You know, what I used to do when I was at Fox Sports News. I would there was all these like sort of slightly racist, like they would use the they would use the same adjectives for like indigenous players, mm. and then the same adjectives for like white tough players and they were never interchange them and like there was actually i think that for a period there there were certain words by certain outlets ruled out because it got to the point where they were overused one was like mercurial yeah. is often used for like uh indigenous players or like work for a white white yep. player they always use that so I would just inter- swap them all the time for often players like I would always use Mercurial for Shannon Hearn and like Workhorse for any Indigenous player that's playing really well because like I mean re- in reality they can be both so it doesn't matter right and and if anyone flagged me on it I was like well they're both accurate mate so I don't understand what your editing would be so yeah. yeah.
0: There's also that kind of uh, like it, it's it's so patronizing, the sense that like a, a player can be mercurial or have some kind of magic to how they play. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but they also train really hard and have been through several yeah. years of like junior development and playing against other players. Like they didn't just like wave the Harry Potter wand and suddenly get drafted. Such a
1: good point. Yeah. It's like he did seventy hours a week playing with his mates every day yeah. somewhere in some town. That you know what I mean? Like you didn't just wake, you, you, wake you up like that? magic. Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's like as soon as he gets the ball. Oh, my God, the power. <laughs> yeah, it just glows
0: like an orb.
1: <laughs> it's like, oh, no, no, I, um, I spent like 90% of my life
0: playing with this ball. Yeah, I was scouted yeah. at the age of 13 and have just been in like <laughs> professional sporting yeah. development programs my entire adolescence. Uh, it drives me nuts, but I love it. Uh, all right, Josh. Um, so the Two Guys One Cup ranking, pre-season ranking system baffles a lot of people, but it makes sense to us. Is we uh, put teams in either the top six, the middle six, or the bottom six. What is your prediction for the West Coast Eagles in 2023? I
1: think my gut says uh, bottom six, but I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to roll it, middle six. It's bottom of the middle six. They surprise some people. (laughs) That's the safest one. Um, Yeah, I think like they might surprise some people and uh, come away with Seven or eight wins. What does seven? What does eight wins get you? I never like I, when people can say that off the top of their head.
0: Okay, so Adelaide had seven, to eight wins. So yeah, that's bottom. I mean, it's definitely bottom six. I think that gets you just above the bottom four. Um, all
1: right. Well, let's go. Let's go bottom.
0: But depends. On, I mean, it's all like depends on how many wins everyone has. Like if there's a more dominant side, then you know. But uh, I, I reckon. I reckon if they get if seven wins will get you well in the bottom six. I'll say top end of bottom six. <laughs> to make it even more baffling. I'm going to say middle six because like this is what happens
1: always with these teams, like classic with Collingwood last year and then like guys step up out of nowhere. I'm just going to hedge my bet and um, not hedge at all. I'm going middle six. I reckon like you you never know who can step up and they were so deplorable last year. They had like so many guys playing that were, you know, they had never played with before and things like that for so many games. Um, And they came, they were far better at the end of the year. Let's go. Middle six.
0: I like it. Bold. And so if you, if, if, uh, you know, West Coast Eagles fans, their, their worst nightmares come true and it's another terrible year. I mean, they, they were flirting with a wooden spoon at stages of last year. How much patience, like, you know, being someone who grew up in WA who seems to know the fabric of, of, you know, both clubs quite well, how much patience? Like you're talking to a St Kilda supporter. We have infinite patience. Like we know nothing else. Like I think it's kind of adorable when other, you know, when supporters of successful clubs go, oh, geez, we had a bad year and I don't know what to do. It's like, mate, fucking that's all I know. Yeah. How much patience do you think West Coast Died in the wall West Coast supporters have? Like, were they given two years, three years, five years?
1: I think um, we were seeing guys, like, leave at – a lot of people leaving at halftime for those Ooh. games. Like, you, you go out, there's so- – there's two things I have in a half time at Optus Stadium. Is there's a mad rush for the exit, and it's often misconstrued for an exit because people are running outside to vape, <laughs> um, and you go outside and there's all these miners with these heavy duty hard drive vapes just like downing them. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is people just were leaving at, at that, that time of year, like um, just like heading to the exit. I reckon there's going to be far less um, tolerance if they get if they get a couple of early wins potentially, like they, they had that random early win against Collingwood last year. Um, you know, maybe they, that's how they build the narrative, and it sort of buoys it a little bit towards the end. But um, I always take mine from Twitter and Facebook, and like as the sort of understanding what people are saying. But also just at the games, like a, a, a guy's angrily like, I paid bloody a thousand fifteen hundred dollars oh, yeah. for this membership every year, and this isn't bloody good enough. They should be kick, cut and kick straight. Yeah. So I think if there's anger at the anger at the games, and if attendance drops. Yeah. I think if attendance drops, that'll, be, that'll be the main right. thing because so much is underpinned with them with money. Um, if there's a significant drop in attendance due to losses, you know, things will change.
0: It's funny too, like the the, the dramatic statements of what someone's going to do with their membership card. Like, I, I mean, I read a lot of this from Saints Support last year, especially when, you know, we started eight and three and then finished three and eight. And the creative ways in which people were going to destroy their membership, even though I don't think it's been like a physical card for a couple of years now, like it's a digital membership. It's just something that you show on your phone, but people are microwaving them. They're chopping up with shears. They're going to, you know, they're going to dump it at Morabbin, And it's just like, okay, fantastic. I mean, really, it doesn't affect anyone but you. I'm just
1: picturing people like throwing it as high as they can, but then they're like slowly <laughs> yeah. putting it on the ground. Like, yeah, in your face, just getting the shot on camera of them really angrily throwing it. Well, I think that there's definitely free, or a bit like that too. You know, they have a really high tolerance mm. to pain um, at St. Kilda more than anyone. But yeah, West Coast, I mean, it, it's very, it's kind of funny watching people react angrily like they're owed something. I don't know. They, they are paying a membership, which they are owed something. You know, they're owed, I believe that. But in saying that too, like you can't ever attack the players.
0: There is no greater example of central character syndrome than being a fan of a particular sport because somehow your involvement in watching that game influences the result. And when they do badly, you take it personally. (laughs) Like it's really something that... Like my wife, who doesn't really have much interest in football or sport at all, will just not put up with my shit when I talk about, God damn it, I knew I shouldn't have gone to get a beer, that's the opposite of just kicked a goal and that was my fault. She's like, would you stop it with this witchcraft? It makes absolutely no sense at all. Just remove yourself from this situation, which I have not been able to do. Uh, you can find Josh at Josh Gallup on Instagram and TikTok. He also has a podcast, Full Credit, which is on Spotify. Uh, new episodes of that coming out this year?
1: Uh, We're in the middle of, like, organising that right now. We'll have some sort of podcast, but I reckon head to the Instagram or the TikTok right now or even Twitter if you want footy stuff. Um, Yeah, we've got a really big season of footy plan, a couple of big sketches. Um, We just filmed one with Collingwood. Yeah, we've got, like, some pretty funny ideas, I reckon, just from things like this of getting a bit of motivation to then be, like, far out, let's just go nuts
0: with it this year. That's exciting stuff. Josh, thanks very much for coming on the show. Cheers, guys. We
1: are Two Guys, One Cup.
0: Listener.